1: Not only is our health from the immune system point of view being directly influenced by the gut, but because of the production of neurotransmitters and because of the, the, uh, the regular communication that happens between the gut and the brain, a s- substantial amount of, um, of the influences that, uh, that, that affect our psychologies are also emerging, Uh, from the gut itself.
2: Welcome to Living with Reality, a podcast featuring archived teachings and modern conversations with Dr. Robert Svoboda, brought to you by the Be Here Now Network. Living with Reality explores Ayurveda and other wisdom traditions of India, which Dr. Swoboda has been studying for nearly 50 years. For more information, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com slash Dr. Svoboda. That's D-R-S-V-O-B-O-D-A. Hello and welcome to Living with Reality. I'm Paula Crossfield, your host and Dr. Svoboda's business collaborator. As you might be able to hear, I have a cold this week, but I wanted to get this episode to you because we are featuring Dr. Svoboda in conversation with Scott Blossom, who is an Ayurvedic practitioner and Chinese medicine doctor. As that some of you may know, and they collaborated together to produce a 32 hour course on Ayurveda and the microbiome. So, the science behind the microbiome and how Ayurveda aligns with that science with very practical tips. And the courses, there's four of them. Each of them focuses on a different area of the body. So there's one on the gut-brain axis and how that affects mental health. There's another one on the oral microbiome, such an important one. The content in that one alone blew me away. Um, So they're giving a little bit of an overview here. But the reason is because currently you can get this bundle of courses for 50% off. So that's only $247.00. You can get all four of these courses only from November 22nd to the 28th. So do take advantage of that. We will uh, have the link available for you in the show notes on you know, the website at Be Here Now. But you can also find it at Instagram at Dr. Robert Svoboda. You can find it on Facebook or if you're on his newsletter list, you'll be able to see it there because we'll have some emails going out about it. So do check it out. And so without further ado, here is the interview between Dr. Robert Sabota and Scott Blossom.
1: I'm here today with Dr. Scott Blossom, and we're going to be discussing something about the microbiome and how it relates to Ayurveda. And I think there there are two points that are the overarching points that need to be made. Number one is that over this past 10 to 15 years, the very concept of and details about the microbiome have been transforming modern medicine. And number two, even though the microbiome is not spoken of as such per se in Ayurveda, it is very clear when one looks at Ayurveda from the perspective of the microbiome and when one looks at the microbiome from the perspective of Ayurveda that the understanding of, among other things, Agni in Ayurveda is intimately connected to the understanding of the microbiome. Wouldn't you agree, Dr. Scott?
3: I would, and um, thank you very much for having me join you. And I enjoyed doing this course with you very much back a few years ago. And the one of the big discoveries for me as I got very nerdy about the science of the microbiome was the realization that the microbiome is total. It is comprehensive in the influence that it has on the body and the way that the body influences it. And so when you look at systems of medicine that come from a perspective that is called holistic because it takes in a systems approach to the whole organism, including the subtle functions of of the mind and heart and the spirit, that a system like Ayurveda, as well as traditional Chinese medicine, which is something I'm already also trained in and licensed in, is both of those systems, uh, in a lot of ways, fulfill what the science of the microbiome is making very clear about how we move toward uh, a more sustainable path toward human health and longevity.
1: And I think it's important here to emphasize that one of the things that is really dramatically changing in, the, in, the, in, in modern medicine is the understanding that human beings who, who like to think of themselves as being individuals and human organisms really are meta-organisms. We would not exist without all of these tens of trillions of other cells uh, and things that are not even cells, like viruses. All of these, all of these things that are part of the environment—not just external to us, but very much internal to us, on top of us. And even though the microbiome may be something that is, effectively speaking, um, if not separate, then it, it, at least um, um, segregated away from the human cells to a substantial degree in any one human individual. Um, More than one third of the genes in the human genome have a bacterial origin. And at least 8% of the genes in the human genome are old viruses. So we're we're talking about um, an entire reality, uh, microbial reality that is co-evolving with human beings, that is facilitating human evolution, and therefore can't really be the human can't really be uh, uh, understood without some sort of of appreciation of the fundamental role that the microbiome plays in it, and that of course is why we created this course that we did a course that has, so far as I can tell, only continued to become more and more topical and more and more pertinent as time continues to go forward.
3: Yeah, and the, the, one of the things that was held to be discreet from a scientific perspective about human beings that's now being profoundly challenged by microbiome science is the idea that the brain, the immune system, and the genome of the human were somehow sovereign and isolated or separate from the outer realities, and now we know that uh, conclusively that every single one of those systems is touched by, influenced by, regulated by, educated by the microbiome. And so in the course, we go into the gut brain science, where we also go into about the oral microbiome, which has huge implications for things like brain health and heart health. We go into the way that the microbiome functions at the level of the skin, which has big implications for the immune function of the body. We also go into the subject of how the microbiome operates in the reproductive organs.
1: 70 to 80% of all the immune cells in the body are in the gut. Probably uh, 70% of the serotonin in the body is produced in the gut. So this, this, the nervous system, the immune system, the genome, when all three of these very uh, stereotypically human structures are very much being influenced by the microbiome and, and that also indicates that our not only is our health from the immune system point of view being directly influenced by the gut, but because of the production of neurotransmitters and because of the the uh, the regular communication that happens between the gut and the brain, a s- substantial amount of um, of the influences that uh, that that. Affect our psychologies are also emerging uh, from the gut itself.
3: Yes. And this is where, coming back to one of the first points we made, when you look at life from a holistic perspective, you don't separate mood, cognition from the health of the body. It's a two way street. And um, one of the sort of places that is a primary site for advanced microbiome research in the biological world is the College Cork in Ireland. And one of their researchers, Harriet Schellikens, uh, was quoted as saying, we need to adapt a holistic way of thinking that accounts for the full complexity of the interconnection between our gut, our mind, and the trillions of microbes that live in our gastrointestinal system and in other sites of the body. And so this, this admission from, you know, kind of you could say a hard scientist that their thinking is adapting around a holistic way of looking at it, obviously plays very well to what we attempted to do in this course, which was make connections between this holistic and systems approach from Ayurveda with the microbiome science.
1: Um, I think it's particularly noteworthy and telling that people talk about so-called hard science as if it was something that was separated from softer sciences like sociology or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they're, by virtue of describing even something like Physics, chemistry, or in this case, medicine uh, as a hard science, that 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 encourages people to think about the organism in hard kind of ways. So, it's been known for probably pretty much ever that if the gut is perforated, um, and and you you have maybe eighteen hours or so before um, there, you will have generalized peritonitis that will have a fatal termination. So we know that it's important to have a barrier between the microbiome that's inside the gut and the rest of the body. And for a long time, of course, using that hardness, that that concept, that attribute of hardness as part of the ruling way of thinking, um, uh, scientists have assumed that really there was a hard and fast separation between the two. In fact, the barrier between the two is very indeed selectively permeable. We want good things to be taken in, we want not so good things to be removed, but it is now becoming clear just the degree to which the microbiome itself has to do with uh, supporting, maintaining, and repairing the permeability of that barrier that exists between the gut and the rest of the body. And just today I read an interesting uh, article on Medscape, which is an MD-oriented web uh, uh, service about gut barrier disruption. That means what happens when when this barrier which is very thin really um, it's 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 the the dynamic part of the barrier the the gut itself is is rather thick compared to the dynamic portion at the margin at the at the boundary between the microbiome and the and the human cells and when this barrier is disrupted and it it, it can be very subtly disrupted, it can be dramatically disrupted, but when, whenever the, the precise uh, conditions that are optimal for the barrier between the microbiome and the rest of the body, whenever that those optimal conditions are disturbed, then what happens is the, there is a disruption in function. And The disruption in function, of course, produces diseases not just like irritable bowel disease and celiac, but also such things as multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, diabetes, obesity. All of these things are strongly influenced by an imbalance, an insufficiency of good function of that barrier between the gut and the rest of the body.
3: Yeah, and this is, you know, for people who are uh, maybe less uh, science-oriented, the implications with that are really enormous because you're talking about a relationship between the human biology and microbial biology, which has its primary expression as immune responses. And so for robust immunity to be in place, we have to... Uh, create healthy relationships and this is precisely what ayurveda is advocating as well is that we understand from concepts like constitution prakriti and ayurveda that we have a unique proclivity toward balance or imbalance we also know that our internal proclivities toward imbalance or balance in our lives and our health is deeply, profoundly influenced by our social environment, by our natural environment. And that's precisely what is being uh, unearthed from microbiome science. You know, for example, the, it's now uh, well established that our gut microbiome is primarily influenced by the people that we live with. And that would be the people we're breaking bread with, the people we're having um, healthy or not healthy uh, social relationships with, the spaces we inhabit, the way those spaces are kept, um, uh, et cetera. And so this is hopefully presenting this kind of micro, macro vision of the way that, again, you can use the lens of Ayurveda to really work with some of the most important opportunities that the microbiome science is presenting for us taking control of our own health.
1: It it certainly is definitely the case that not only is politics local, but the microbiome is also local. In fact, I recently read that a substantial percentage, I think it was eight or 10% of the microbiome is similar in people who live not only in the same house, not merely in the same in the same uh, neighborhood, but in an entire village. Mm-hmm. So, just being in a a, a a a locality is going to cause you to be sharing the microbiome with a number of other people, and so the, the it, this is an important. Um, uh this the the increasing realizations that people are having are particularly important not just because of how important they are but because of for example the 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 movement that finally is happening in the awareness of medical science of uh, in the modern world about how it is not how, how important it is to understand that not just many but most conditions that are created in human beings are multifactorial mm-hmm. and for a long time we've been trying to find the magic bullet and we've been trying to find the real cause but all too often there is more than one cause for what is happening and unless you at least appreciate the 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 the, the breadth of the different causative factors and which causative factors are particularly important in any one individual, it's going to be easy to spend all of your time looking for a particular tree when you should really be looking at the forest as a whole.
3: Mm, absolutely, and in that, it's such a good example too of, of, for example, the topic of probiotics, which is always on the mind of somebody when they consider the, the microbiome. And the probiotics are the beneficial bacteria that have been researched and uh, contribute to human health. Whereas they are, they can be supplemented, but they are actually uh, the main thing that you need for a healthy microbiome. Is a diverse diet, especially a diet that has diversity of plant fibers, meaning plant-based foods. And the the, the current recommendation, which we reinforce in our course, is that if you're eating approximately 30 unique plant foods a week, you will be creating enough diversity in your food intake to really uh, promote the cornerstone quality of the gut, which is healthy diversity of microorganism that exists there. And so the whereas the prebiotic side of things uh, comes from those plants, the probiotic side of them will become uh, something that you can use specifically for things like helping reduce inflammation in your gut, helping to promote your immune system, very targeted ways to support your health if you need it. Um, and I should say that I've been really enjoying the fact that the The diagnostic science around the gut has been evolving rapidly, and it does offer a lot of support uh, for me as somebody who practices from the perspective of Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine. It offers a lot of support for how to target what I try to do with people when there are gut issues that they come into the clinic with.
1: I, I think it's useful to note here that taking probiotics is not likely to change your microbiome. In fact, somebody recently commented that taking probiotics is like dropping 10,000 tons of rainforest seeds on top of a temperate forest. Um, And you will certainly get some plants who will grow and who will start to become uh, comfortable there and who will potentially become even endemic there. But it's not going to convert a tropical forest into a rainforest because it's a different situation. What the probiotics can do is they do tend to encourage uh, anti-inflammatory conditions in the area in which they are uh, uh, living and passing through. So there, there is potential, and when I'm in uh, tropical countries, I often tend to take probiotics, Particularly because I want to compete with the pathogens that are in the neighborhood, so uh, uh, probiotics can be useful but 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 thinking that you 're going to take probiotics and somehow change your microbiome uh, is uh, unfortunately a bit of magical thinking
3: right the The subject of. Oh the microbiome can easily become a very science-rich discussion. But again, all of the implications are that this is a system that we have as humans, we have delegated survival-level functions to the microbiome, survival-level genetic uh, function as well. And so when we recognize that radical symbiosis And radical meaning root, that foundational symbiosis that it represents, that we are, um, we are, it's, there are countless ways that we can make small changes to our diet, small changes to our behaviors, small changes to our daily routines to support what we would call health. But we're also, with every one of those actions, impacting the different microbiomes of the body, whether it is, for example, in Ayurveda, putting oil on the skin that is recommended as part of our daily routine. It turns out that the sesame oil that is one of the favorites in Ayurvedic medicine is called a skin mimetic oil, which means it has the same acid balance as as the sebum, the oils that are produced by the human skin. So it's very much a natural... Um, situation of reinforcing something that the body does on its own so that the uh, the microbiome that actually lives on that oil that the, either the body makes or if you apply a skin mimetic that 's good quality like sesame oil that you can nourish all of the systems of the body in a way that is very do-it-yourself. And that really the take-home point is that when you put them together, when you constellate all those little uh, individual actions and efforts that you can make, that that is what contributes to actual longevity. It's, again, not the magic bullet or the heroic medical action that takes you there.
1: Yes, it's also the case that while there's chiefly one way for any particular individual to live life in order to be healthy. There are many ways to become unhealthy. And it's worthwhile being well aware of the fact that many of the factors that discourage a healthy microbiome, that encourage abnormality in the permeability of that barrier between the gut and the rest of the body... Many of these things are things that are quite abnormal. Uh, in fact, I have a list I'd like to read out. And begins with acrolein, which is the kind of chemicals that you get when oils are brought to their smoke point. So if you have, you know, if you are eating a lot of fried food that has come from a fast food restaurant, where they don't change the oil very often, then you're probably consuming quite a bit of this Acre land that is just automatically in and of itself going to aggravate this, um, this, this very important, uh, uh, the, it, we can even think of the barrier, you know, barrier is a word that sounds like it is keeping things out, but it's, it's a barrier in the sense that it, it is the relationship membrane. It is the way that the gut and the interior of the body can relate. And so when we have things that disturb that relationship, that is disturbing all kinds of other relationships within, it, within us. Um, so beginning with acrolein, including uh, aging, which of course affects everybody, um, alcohol, which in small amounts is very good for digestion and large amounts destroys many, many parts of the organism. Antacids, antibiotics, chemotherapy, disruption to your circadian rhythms, corticosteroids, emulsifiers, which are present in many kinds of ultra-processed foods, um, exercising more than two hours at a time at, at, at your more or less your maximum, starvation, fructose, as in high fructose corn syrup, fructans, Gliadin, which is one of the proteins in wheat, the high-fat, high-salt, high-sugar diet, the low-fiber diet, non-steroidal, anti-inflammatory drugs, pesticides, radiation, smoking, artificial sweeteners, and such other things as uh, psychological stress, sleep deprivation, um and even things like um, b- being burned. So uh, there's all sorts of things that are actively discouraging the relationship between the microbiome and the organism, particularly the gut microbiome and the organism, wh- and, at, which... which Interact with one another on, along this membrane, along this barrier. So when that relation, when that barrier is disturbed, the relationship is disturbed, and then problems start to occur. Many of the things that I mentioned here are, are integral to the uh, to, to the to the modern so-called um, diet. Uh, particularly in places like the U.S., where a vast number of people consume fast food on a daily basis. Fast food is maybe fast, at least initially, but it is not going to promote um, anything other than um, uh, dysbiosis in the gut and distress in the rest of the organism.
3: Yes, that makes me think of one of my favorite episodes was the one that we did with Dr. Claudia Welch about reproductive, the reproductive microbiome. And especially that, you know, ranging from something like having less uh, likelihood of having urinary tract infection or yeast infection, all the way to actually regulating the reproductive hormones by making choices like you were just talking about. Making choices that actually influence the gut barrier health and the gut health in general, and how that has a regulating effect on reproductive hormone um, metabolism. So not just production, but also the the breakdown and elimination of the hormones that rule reproduction. It reminds me, too, that a couple of key foods that we emphasized in that episode was something like flax seeds. And the uh, flax seeds, when they're you know, freshly ground, have incredible fiber. They also have, you know, they're just nutrient dense. But it turns out that one of the fibers in them actually is a primary regulator of hormonal balance, not in the sense of pushing one hormone in one direction or another, but actually because the microbes that prefer that fiber for their food are intricately linked in regulating things like, for example, estrogen up or estrogen down, depending on a person's system and what they need.
1: And I think that that th- this is this is why both Chinese medicine and Ayurveda are really superior in the way that they look at health and disease. And they look at that from the perspective of homeostasis, from the perspective of their gener- of there being a harmony that needs to be generated, not only between the inv- individual and their environment, but also within the individual. And it, simply by eating a high fiber diet, with fer- including fermented food, restricting your eating, to if at all possible uh, eight hours a day but even 12 hours a day and not eating so that your gut will have plenty of time to perform essential maintenance that other 12 hours exercising moderately but regularly on a daily basis and doing things for the vagus nerve including things like acupuncture and yoga all of these things are going to main Going to facilitate the maintenance of this homeostasis, this balance, in the way that the, the the gut microbiome and the organism made up of the human cells, the way that that relationship is going to be able to continue and move forward.
3: As usual, um, very uh, excellently and, and eloquently said, and um, I just encourage everybody to. Uh, Check out the course. There's uh, 32 hours of content. Uh, it's, it's extremely robust and has uh, so much potential for being a, a, a cornerstone in how you support your own health. And, and it's going to be a Black Friday sale, so you can, you can get it at a deal on top of that.
1: Such good news. Dr. Scott, great to talk to you as always.
3: Dr. Swoboda, always good to talk with you as well.
1: And may everyone have a very exciting, enthusiastic, and productive Black Friday, as well as the rest of your year and the rest of your life and, and, and the rest of your microbiome's life as well.
3: That's right. May you and your microbiome continue to be as harmonious as possible.
1: Indeed.